All right. Welcome back to Space South Spot. This is your host, Adam Larson, and I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into another episode. I always really appreciate it when you guys tuned in. Uh, I would also like to give a huge shout out to our sponsor at Howie's Hockey Tape Company. You can get a 10% discount by putting in our coupon code, which is face off and then the number 10. I'll say that one more time. That's face off and the number 10. I uh, really appreciate Howie's Hockey helping us out. And uh, anytime you use that coupon code, it will uh, it will benefit the show. So I appreciate you guys and appreciate Howie's Hockey. Um, we have a very, very special um, episode today. I've been on a little bit of a, a run lately of having uh, what I would consider uh, expert level, top tier ice makers. And uh, it's kind of a cool trend lately. And one of the guys within this uh, the rink industry that has been known for quite a long time, uh, he's the vice president of Jet Ice. Um, I would like to welcome onto the show, uh, David Lovrock. David, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for dealing with the little technical difficulties. I'm glad we got this finally figured out, but um, I really, really uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Not a problem at all. Glad to be here. Well, hey, they, so you told me previously that uh, you did have a lot of stories. You said you thought some of them were entertaining and some of them were, but um, I hope you can give us some entertaining ones, but we'll try and uh, we'll try and get through this uh, and have as much fun as possible. But um, you have to start the show off just like everybody else. I know you've been around the uh, the rink industry and been around hockey for quite some time now, but I don't know if we can go back in time to where they're possibly like a, a little Dave Love Rock. Um, can you go back and talk about how you first got uh, interested in the sport? And this may be long before uh, you get involved uh, in hockey or ice making itself, but um, can you kind of take us back and how old were you? Uh, where were you living? Uh, and can you kind of talk about that? Uh, hockey goes back to, I guess, probably uh, being a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, which surprises some people. But uh, <laughs> I guess when I was a kid, we, we would play street hockey. And it was, uh, you know, either David Keon or Frank Mahavlich, or you had to be was you had to be a player that was on the Toronto Maple Leafs. You didn't want to be a John Bellamore. You didn't want to be anybody out of Quebec. Uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. So um, street hockey was my life, I guess, probably for about eight or nine years. You play hockey till the heel of the stick was going down to next to nothing. Mm -hmm. Wooden sticks. I guess that was the uh, 50s and 60s. But um, it um, it sort of fell off after a while, and I changed a bit of my uh, sights. And as you got older, you started getting into some oddball things. I was in the electronics industry selling um, uh, high-end audio equipment for years. I looked for Marats and uh, Bordafon and uh, Otari, uh, tape decks, microphones. Yeah. And I just got away from the hockey end of it altogether. But slowly but surely, I just uh, got dragged back into it. I was uh, sitting in a bar one night, and Doug Moore, who was the chief engineer at Maple Leaf Garden, said, could you give me a hand out? And... Uh, we wanted to move a couple of hot water heaters, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's how it started. Just the, the I knew I knew his son. I was because of the audio business. His son was a musician, and um, we you know he hung around and knew his dad. It's okay. We're maybe friends. Maybe he can get me some tickets to a Leaf game. That was about yes. as far as I went. But he was at the stage Maple Leaf Gardens where those buildings back then were just. They were just put together a building. They were put back together in the, the 30s, and 31, 32. 
And mm-hmm. uh, they didn't put anything into them. Like there was nothing there. There was a physical plant, a concrete slab and seed. And, yeah. uh, the object of the game back then was to try and get as many people in and, and sell as many tickets as possible. That still yeah. holds true today, but uh, there was there was nothing. They didn't have that envelope aspect of it. Right. So it, it was free. So it was, it was pretty much, uh, it was more open to the elements um, as compared to the ranks of today. So it was, yep. what you're saying, it was, yep. it was just pretty much a frame and a structure. You were able to freeze ice inside of it, but uh, depending on what was going on outside, it might make things a, a little bit more difficult. Um, I did before we move any further, though, because um, there's, there'll be quite a few people that when I say jet ice, that you're the vice president of jet ice, they will know what that is. Um, but do you kind of want to tell everybody uh, what, Jet ISIS. Before you get into kind of the first of it and, and how it came to be, uh, can you tell everybody real quick what Jet ICE is and what they do? Uh, the company started back and it was formed in 1979. And it was a company that decided that water treatment was one of the issues inside of the uh, inside of Maple Leaf Gardens. How do you get good quality ice with the water that we were drawing out at that time out of Lake Ontario and old iron pipes? And so it was a matter of treating the water. And trying to make the ice maker's job a little bit easier by giving them good quality water. And then we delved into, um, you know, other the water too, we started looking at what we were using for the paints. And so we became a paint company and then we became a logo company, but it's all strictly ice related. It's just all. Right. And it, and in case, can you kind of talk, can you kind of talk about the difference a little bit and the paint that came? Uh, before uh, jet ice, what were some of the problems that you might have had with it? Um, what what did you guys start doing specifically uh, that kind of changed it from the way that it was uh, to the way it is now? Well, I guess that um, we had a research chemist, Gil Adamson, but we were being the chief engineer at Raven Gardens, wasn't happy with what they had or what they were using. They were using, oh, um, well, Back in the 60s and 70s, I would have to hazard a guess it was calcium carb- carbonate, talc powder, mm-hmm. brown rock. Um, some people were using uh, um, a hydrated lime, like barn whitewash. It wasn't it wasn't a really good quality paint, but it gave you a white surface. If you look at some of the old shots and the old TV stuff back in the 50s, they were, the floors were actually almost gray. Uh, in color, you could almost see the concrete through them. And um, when we looked at some of the calcium carbonates, they were a better quality. They were easy to pl- apply, but in some cases, there was no uniformity to it. But so the real trick when you go to put a, put ice into a, a building is to make sure that you have a uniform sheet over the entire area of one coating or two coatings or three coatings, whatever you're doing, so that you've got a consistent white over the entire surface. Yeah. So, 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 um, and, and I'm sorry, where, where, uh, where did the Maple Leafs play, um, back when we're, we're talking, um, where, where, where was that? At Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh, it was Maple Leaf Gardens. Okay. That's right. I just, I just want to make sure that it was. Oh, so well, at what point, at what point do you guys kind of realize that you're onto something? And then, I mean, if you think about it, you're doing something up there in Toronto, but then it gets to the point where every other rink is starting to use. Uh, the, the paints that you guys are using and all that. Um, how, do, how does that come to be? I'm, I'm assuming that you were just able to to walk into any building and telling <laughs> them that you have the uh, greatest new products for ice making and paints and all this. But how does how does that grow from just being in Toronto? What was it? One of those things. It, where... 
I used to make the paint originally out front of Doug Moore's house on a, on a sunny day with a tarpaulin and mix the ingredients together, pour them into green garbage bags, and then go and paint the building. That's how far back it goes. Oh, wow. That was a one-off thing. And every, like the locally, people started to notice. A lot of people went to um, Doug Moore for advice, consulting, uh, simply because he was the he was the ice guy at the, for the Leafs. So mm-hmm. eventually, one by one, these people would start. Oh, we're doing small community rates. Everybody noticed that Maple Leaf Gardens had the best looking sheet around, and it was like you go back those early days. It was a great looking sheet of ice. And he had some great people there. He had uh, Sammy and Smitty. Sammy was one of the guys that painted ice, and so we developed it. We looked at what he was buying at the time. And then re-engineered the product uh, so that it was easy to apply and it looked great. We worked with yep. um, the reds and blues and the logo colors. And over a period of time, people started asking, "Where, where, where do you get this paint?" And so it just was a an ongoing, gradual thing. Like at one time, I guess my my, my biggest September was I sold like fifteen boxes of paint. <laughs> you know, it was off to someplace at Windsor or it was down the road to Bill Thorne in Trenton, Ontario, and we'd pile into a little um, a little pickup truck and drive down there with a, a barrel, a tank, a pump, and a sprayer and spray the, spray the arena white. And the customers were extremely happy with what we were doing at the time, but it was a matter of the fact that you're actually becoming a manufacturer of product, and it's, we just grew from there. But the real- yeah. Big, the real big jump was, um, I don't know, it was 83 or 84. This, the company was small. It didn't have any money per se. What we did was just trade dollars at the end of it all. And yeah. uh, it was, you know, it was, it was tight. We had virtually nothing. But we took the gamble and we took everything we had and we invited all of the NHL clubs to come to Toronto to watch a paint seminar and play a couple of rounds of golf. Oh. I guess that was with his um, own Minnesota Mercenary, Ren Blair. Um, he had a place north of Toronto, and there was a pine, it was called Pine Stone. And uh, it was uh, a golf course, and we took them all up for golf and drinks and steaks, and then brought them back down to a little right in Markham, Ontario, in Thornhill. They did a demonstration of what we were doing. And really showed them. We brought in uh, Sammy from Sammy Gandos from Nicholas Gardens. At that time, he was the, the the guy that painted ice, and he was fast. Like he was back then, putting the lines and circles on would be an eight or ten hour project. And Sammy cut that project down to probably three three and a half hours. Right. And all we did was modify what he did because it's simply a process. Putting your ice in and painting it was is just a process. Follow these steps and do it this way. And any way you can cut time out of that is a good thing. And it's it. We all started started trying to help Iceman, which is really what it was. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's it, it's funny though. It's just like because uh, I feel like for a lot of things, end up being you know bigger things and, and successful ventures, it's funny it's the the beginning stages of those things because I feel like for the most part, if it comes from a good place. It ends up in an, an even better place. So the fact that you're just trying to help uh, ice makers, which is funny, I had uh, Don Moffat was on last week, and he was kind of talking about there's kind of just like a rink industry code that we should be trying to help one another, and we should be trying to help the uh, you know one another go uh, faster, better, or more. Is you know if anybody understands the ice making process, or if you're putting in ice, it takes so long. It's it's you know it can take up up to a week. 
I think sometimes people that don't understand that process think that it's just kind of, you know, a two day thing where we're just kind of throwing, you know, uh, some water down <laughs> on top of some paint. But um, if you can find, if you, if you can save and, and shave some time and, and money off that budget, um, it's best for everybody, not just the people that are making the ice, but for the, you know, the people that are waiting to skate on it. So if you can kind of take that time and process, condense that a little bit, uh, I'm sure the people were, were all for it. Um, so we're moving. That's, that's absolutely true. I think that more than anything, that's, that's what happened with the NHL. These buildings are, you know, they're turning in the next, uh, 16,000 people an event. And a lot of people don't realize that these facilities, it's not about hockey in a lot of cases. Like if you take New York, they've got 365 days. They've got 370 events and 44 of them are hockey. So yeah. it became a, it became critical for them to be able to get in, get out, change, cover, change, cover. And mm -hmm. hockey was, hockey was, is still a big part in New York. I'm not taking anything away from that, but yeah. they found that if you could do things and shave four hours off it or six hours off it or eight hours off it to build your ice and, and the method you use was critical. And, uh, mm -hmm. I guess we went back there three or four times originally just to, just to help them out. Um, that's a long time ago. Oh. Yeah. But it was a matter of just shaving that time window down to make it so they could book another event so they could make more money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, uh, it's funny, strange enough, and still go to New York and get my hand every once in a while. <laughs> I, 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 I was just there two weeks ago. I didn't, uh, didn't get to see any ice, but, uh, uh, I just did spend some time up there. Um, but speaking of, of ways that we can kind of engineer new things as far as the ice making process, um, at what point do you guys kind of start making, cause I will get to the paint stick in a, in a little bit, because it's, I think one of my favorite things that you guys have made. Um, but at what point are you guys starting to make, um, you know, uh, tools and, and all these cool things that are, are also, uh, shaving down that time a little bit. At what point do you start making that? Uh, well, it was, it was, a, it follows us like almost a series of like things that we get involved in and we work on. And there's little projects that we start. Sometimes they get put on a shelf for a while. They come back up and it really is about making job of the ice maker easier. Yeah, That's yeah. what it really boils down to. And all of these things come into play and we we got, I still got stuff out in the back of the shop here and I'm working on the oddball colorants and uh, we're trying to get down to the, now we're coming into chemical engineering of a, a true high white um, that works with um, the new LEDs that they're, they have a, they have the, when you get into the 6,000 6, watt area, they have a blue tone to them. And sometimes it's a little bit too white. So yeah. We're still from everything we've done. It's a series of trying to make things better. Yeah. And provide quality. But the funny part about it is too, is Mark's right. It's about, there's a, there's a, there's a group of people in this industry and they come out of, they come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But it's all about friends in the industry. It really is. I'm like, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I got a, <laughs> I got a, I got a massive uh, phone book that gives me, you know, two thousand people that I can phone and say, hey, you know, I got a problem. Can I talk to you about this or what's happening with you on this issue? And it yeah. really does boil down to it. And that core group of, uh, um, we call them, uh, they're, they're elite guys. But they're, but they're not elite. They're, they're just the regular, sometimes some of them are just regular guys working in an arena that have been yeah. there for 40 years or 50 years. Now that's yeah. starting to change now. So there's, 
there's a, almost a vacuum in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things. It's one of those things too, to where I really feel like a lot of it just comes from experience because out of that experience is where you run into problems and then you learn how to fix those problems. There's been a lot of things that I've learned just through something breaking or something not going well. Um, so it's one of those things to where you can try and learn as much as you can, uh, you know, and the classes are great and uh, you know, it's good to get those certifications to get all the information that you can, but so much of this information just comes from your experience and being around things and being around other people that have had those problems. But, um, I always try and kind of have like a, a silver lining anytime something goes wrong, because at least I get to learn, uh, what it is that, that, that caused the problem and then also how to fix it. But, um. You know, I, I still consider myself uh, old in some ways and young in some others in the, you know, uh, rink industry world. I'm, I'm 36, but I've been around rinks since I was, I don't know, 14, 15. So it's like, I'm still learning, um, but I'm sure people will have to reach out to you all the time. Do people bother you all the time? I know I bothered you to come on the show, but oh, no, people, no, 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 people no, no. bother you all the time? I, I would think that's they would. That's, that's not it. It's, it's not about bothering me. I'm <laughs> virtually any time in the... People call me in the middle of the night, they got problems with plants and there's something wrong with their ice or something wrong with their paint or something didn't work out for them. It's not a bother. It's the assistance that the industry needs. And it's, it's not just me helping them out. There's, there's a couple hundred guys out there that have got great answers and they're trying to help. You're trying to help a community. You're trying to help a sport. And yeah. it's, uh, you take people like Danny Ahern out of Chicago, um, the guys do. The guy's been around forever. Uh, but you know what the funny part about him? He works for the Chicago Blackhawks and does all the rights. And, and all of a sudden, he's, you know, for years, he's been going up and fixing Zambonis. He's been out um, putting ice in for people. He's got, he's working on two other rinks. He's at Johnny's Ice out. He's over, over the YMCA rink. And he's, the problem is, he's almost addicted to it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an addiction. Right? It's, a, it's, it's a cruel way to, it's a cruel word to use for it, but you get into it. It's like joining the mafia. You can't get out. <laughs> and then, and that's like, it's that group of ice makers. That, you know, I'm not, I, you know, you can go to someplace like Creole Weed Sea and meet the gentleman there, Robert um, Baker. He's a great, great ice maker, great partner, but he's, a, he's an asset in the industry is really what it is. So, you know, if, if he follows me with something, yeah, I owe him too. And, yeah. you know, he runs into something that doesn't, it doesn't sit well with them or you ask questions about it. It's the fact that you've got that access to these people that, mm -hmm. uh, that really is the big part of this industry. Well, and, and they, they really are passionate people. And, and when you, when you say addicted, I can kind of say that, you know, I am as well, but, um, it is one of those things to where I think that that's why people, people find happiness and not, not to keep going back to Don's episode, but. Don said, you know, you're not going to make, you know, you're not going to get filthy rich and you're going to have to work hard, but you enjoy the process of what you're doing so much that it kind of makes life a little bit easier in other ways. I mean, I would consider that I work very hard, but I still, I can't remember the last time I woke up and felt like, oh man, I have to go into the rink to work. Like it's something that I look forward to doing. So granted, there might be times I might want to complain if I'm, you know, a little tired, or, you know, working hard. But at the end of the day, like being in the rink industry is awesome. And it's just one of those things to where I think the passionate people or the people that are addicted to it, those are the ones I kind of call them like lifers. Like I consider myself a lifer. Like 
I, I really just cannot perceive myself doing anything but being in the rink industry. So at this point, you know, uh, I'm all in and I feel like that's where, you know, people like yourself, like, well, I mean, you're definitely a lifer. You've been in this industry for so long, but um, a lot of the times it's people like me looking up to people like you. Um, I first got introduced to you at, uh, it was the, the NISMA convention uh, in Lake Placid. I don't know if you remember uh, going up uh, to, to Lake Placid. For, for the, I, have, the, I have a hard time remembering anything. But Lake, Lake Placid, Lake, Lake Placid, I, I probably caught there three or four times. Yeah. Well, they they gave you like a like a lifetime award. Though. It was like the they gave you like a uh, an award. Oh, you, had to you go up, give a speech, and you you had to do the whole thing. That's uh, a few years back, and I, I do you know recognition is something to to get. But you know we don't we don't really thrive on it. it's nice to receive it. Uh, yeah. But there's there's so many good guys out there. You feel guilty, but uh, like you go through some of these clubs, or and there's it's it's some places a lot of work. We just did the mm -hmm. facility operations, man, functional operating managers association, the FOMA meeting out in Vegas with all the NHL clubs, and you know, mm -hmm. these these guys. Although it's it's the it's the big leagues, when you get there, it's still not much different. It's just got yeah. you got a bigger crowd, and these yeah. guys take. These guys take pride in what they produce and it's straight enough. It's long hours. It's not simple. Yeah. It's even longer hours when you get to the, the small arenas, the small community ranks. Some yeah. of the stuff they put through in there, you got, it's, it's, it's not as easy as most people think it is, but there is a pride that you get a personal pride. And when you, when you pull off the sheet and it looks like a million dollars, like it's clean, mm -hmm. it's clear, it's smooth and that, and that pride. And sometimes infiltrates down into someone's soul. And sometimes there's people out there, the, the bane of my life are the people that don't care. <laughs> it's just a job. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to move to parks and rec and I'm going to be out. I'm going to be uh, fertilizing fields or something like that. Yeah. Or roads. Yeah. They no. never, they never, they never really got it. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. If you don't get it, yeah. you don't understand it. I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from that job because this job is important. And the, and the, and the drivers are, I, I put them right up there. They're, they're out there to produce a high quality sheet of ice and no one intentionally goes out there to give a, a, um, a, a skater, a bad sheet of ice, but there's some out there that just don't have yeah. a what they're doing okay. and really boils down to education and, uh, and, and knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and one of my favorite, I'll say one of my favorite times or favorite I really like to get, and I like for my ice to look good all the time, but you know, things get busy and every once in a while, there might be a corner that gets a little high or, or whatnot. Yep. I try and stay on top of it, but I really take a lot of pride in if we have a big tournament, the way that yep. it's going to look in the morning when they get there, because there's not, they, the, most of those teams get there, you know, easily an hour, <laughs> if not more, you know, before their yep. first game in the morning. So it's like all the parents and everybody, they have like a whole hour just to like stare at the ice that I have prepared for them. And then as soon as the tournament gets going, you know, you really don't see it, you know, except for a couple of minutes before, you know, the next game rolls around, but it's just my favorite time. Like I like to like have it set and ready. And then I kind of like to walk up and down because a lot of times like people will say something depending on what rink they've come from, uh, you know, not yep. firing any shots here, but you can just kind of tell like, okay, like they, th they can recognize that this is a good sheet of ice, but just, just those couple hours are some of my favorite. Half, 
this half your half your sheet of ice quality is based on appearance. Mm-hmm. The other is the other is quite subjective. Sometimes the ice is chipped, the ice is hard, the ice is softer. But if you've got a great looking sheet, you're over half the battle. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something to that, and I think that uh, Jet Ice obviously uh, uh, has something to do with that as well. Because I did want to talk about this because this is where both of those things could possibly uh, enter be interwoven here, but there is something to do with, with, with your white. I don't know if you call it your powder white or whatever, mm-hmm. but the, the, the thing that I have been told within the industry is that your white paint actually has a better heat transfer to where it actually is making better ice. So that, if it's that, am I onto something here? You're kind of, you're onto something. I brought white. You're onto, you're onto something there. So but it also, you use less paint. It's, it, there's no secret to our, our, our paint. It's titanium dioxide. It's TiO2. When you go down the street to buy a, a gallon of paint, you buy a gallon of paint at the local paint store and they charge you $49 for it. And then you go to Sherwin-Williams paint and they sell you a gallon of paint. It's $89. There's two different paints. You can, yeah. you can paint your ice with anything. I've done that. I painted with lime. I painted with calcium carbonate. I painted with talc. It, it, you want a thin, thin layer of paint and you you want to make sure there's heat transfer through it. So you put down a skin and you look for the opacity or the hiding capabilities of the paint. Now, if you've got to use 30 bags or 15 boxes to get that same amount of hiding that I can get with six boxes, there's definitely a, a, a difference in heat transfer through it. Yeah. But that's, well, that's, that, that's, all what, that's what it all started as, to try and um, produce a better appearing sheet by using less product because some right. of the things that even now we find you start shipping product across the country and the price goes crazy like mm-hmm. so if you're shipping three times the amount of volume of paint calcium carbonate it gives you a great white it'll look okay but you've got three times the amount or volume of it on your sheet of ice right yeah and an ipad um i mean because I, I would say at every place I've been to, we've used Jet Ice except for one, and I'm not going to say which one this was, but we, we were using an inferior product, and it was weird because, you know, um, the, the Jet Ice powder, at a certain point, it almost gets like a certain like texture to it when it's mixed, and it's just like, okay, you can kind of feel it. I, I we, we used some other sort of white. We were just dumping bag after bag after bag, trying to get it white enough and bright, and then we realized like, oh, we don't have enough bags. Like, we didn't realize that we needed 20 bags. It was something like 18 bags or, or whatever it was. Yeah, depending, on, depending, on, depending on what you're getting and where you're getting it from, it's, it's, it's most of most of the stuff out there is a, is a calcium carbonate based paint. Uh, I don't know anybody who's actually gone into the, uh, um, to look at what we do w- with TiO2. It's, uh, it's a high, high. So that's why you use far less of it. And if you're, I've got guys local ranks here that paint with, it was six bags, six boxes of six boxes of paint, and yeah. uh, the NHL average is nine. And um, my favorite customer is the guy that uses sixteen. <laughs> yeah, well, not, not <laughs> after after a while. Like the other part that I, people don't think I don't think people realize about Jet Ice is it started out almost as a not for profit organization. And I joke about it often. Um, the company doesn't make a lot of money. It makes money, but it doesn't make a lot of money. It, yeah. it supplies it supplies people to the marketplace, product to a marketplace, 
at a reasonable price. And um, the one lady who owns the company now, Doug Moore's daughter, is, is not driven by profit. She's driven mm-hmm. by a, a, a moral. Yeah. To, to, to what her father was doing, to provide quality yeah. products to the marketplace. Well, that's good. But I mean, that that's why you guys are in the you know position that you're at. But um, I did want to get into, because I mean, there's a handful of things I wanted to talk to you about. We've checked off maybe half of those so far. But I wanted to get into the invention of the paint stick because it is, it's, it's one of my favorite things that you guys have come out with. I know that there's old school guys like yourself that can do it, you know, by hand, but I am not one of those people. Um, I think the people that can do that uh, are amazing, but I've never been one of those. But can you kind of talk about the inception of the paint stick? And can you also uh, kind of tell people that might not know what that is, uh, what it is? Uh, the paint stick became a product of necessity. It's a method of applying your lines and circles in a, a quick, easy fashion. And it's, it's just, a, all it is is a tool. It's a bag you can put over your, put over your head. It's a tank. It's a small tube that feeds down to a head and the head supplies the, the paint flows to the head. And you just, as soon as you see paint, you start walking and uh, it's really, you can see it on YouTube. A lot of people swear by it. Some people have had problems with it, but it's a tool that cuts your install time down. I got guys here that'll do lines and circles uh, in under an hour. Yeah. They're fast. They're not a problem. Just boom, they're done. Eric and Jay are probably the quickest. And you see those guys on YouTube and look, oh my God. Yes. It's, it's amazing. The, the paint trick started as, um, if anybody remembers, the Wagner Power Painter. That's where it started. And I went out and bought like 10 of them, figuring that I'd it feeds paint to a roller and you go up and down the wall with it and you, you use a whole gallon of paint and you'd paint the whole room in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of Wagner power painters to see how they were. I had a system set up and it went down a, a, a head to a round sponge head. Um, and they worked for, they worked for probably six months, a year, but probably all the guts on the inside of his battery operated, all the guts were made of tin. And so it oxidized quickly and then the units wouldn't work. So I thought, well, let's make this a simple, keep things simple. It's a gravity feed system. Um, so you have to mix the paint up. We have to let it out a little bit, probably uh, a 50% water mixed to our regular paint. We make the paint fairly thick, uh, mostly for the curling industry. We won't talk about that, but um, <laughs> they still use brushes and brooms and rollers. Yeah. Well. But the paint stick, Came out and said, you, you can't go out and paint a rink. And our guys were painting three and four rinks in a day. Once that rush hits in August to the end of September, uh, we've got crews out the North America line that are just knocking off rinks left, right, and center. The Dave Westcats, the Remy's, the... <laughs> all of the crews out there just go at it. And most of them are quite are quite official by using the paint stick. Yeah. Well, I started, yeah. I started building it back in, I guess, probably the early 1995, 96. The Wagner Power Company, that didn't work. I thought I'd try another one. So I tried to find a head for it. I couldn't find the proper head. One day I was having a coffee in my kitchen and my daughter was on the counter with one of those 3M pot scrubbers. This, she was sliding water back and forth across the counter. And I went, 
It's my idea. So I grabbed the scrubber and went up to the garage and I had a piece of aquarium tube and they had the most full of water spinning it on the aquarium tube and dragging the three M pad across the garage floor, looking at this nice even two inch wide line going around in a circle. My wife thought it was crazy. <laughs> uh, dolphins and, and then I went back to the shop and started building it, made the head up of art. And uh, uh, the big one was trying to find the right size of container and that was and have a bag made for it and put it all in a little package so that I like I, I did this for like probably I made about eight or nine of them just for guys in the NHL, like, like the Danny Aherns and mm-hmm. some friends that I had in, in, in some of the buildings. And uh it took and I guess every year we sell about, well, about 200, 250 of them. Yeah. It's a, it's a well, great tool, but it, it, it's, 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 you have to, you have to use it. You have to know what you're doing with it. I tell people, you go out and practice. If you want to practice, fill the thing up with water and do it on a dry concrete floor, walk around, you'll get the feel of it. It'll be pissing all over the place, but it is yes. technique. It is technique. It's like anything else. Like learning how to use a chainsaw. It's just, it's, it's technique on how you do it. Well, once, yeah. guy, once you've got it down, it's, it's slick. Well, I'll say, I'll say every time I've had it, I just, I get a little better every time. Cause it's one of those things to where, you know, we've had our ice in for, eh, since the rink opened. So our ice has been in for almost four years now, but it's one of those things that, you know, I might use it every, you know, five to six years, but every time I have a little bit more uh, experience with it, I get a little bit better each time. So uh, I'm sure the, those guys that you were talking about before that are just, you know, using it, just masters at it, saves them a lot of time. And I'm assuming that their backs, I'm assuming that the backs of all the painters previous <laughs> to the paint stick had to have just been in terrible uh, shape the whole time. Because you, you literally just have to like fold your body in half and paint the ground, right? Because you have I, to move. I did it. I did that way for probably 20 years. I've been around, yeah, about 20 years I did it. And that Sammy DeAnson from Maple Leaf Garden showed me so this is how you do it. And it was, he was just using a, a cord that he ran across the ice, a sash cord. It run mm-hmm. across two guys on each end, and he would freeze the, the cord and everything. He'd just follow the cord down, stay off at about a half an inch. And it was right. it was simple because it was the paint we were making at the time. You could we call it loading a brush, and uh, but it's it's still back 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 breaking over yeah. the years. You yeah. can't do too many of those in a row, and that's right. the real trick about it is if if you have the experience, like our guys, they paint 120 rinks a year. They're good at it. But the most community guys, they look at it, they put it away, and they don't use it again. Right. That's the that's the real issue of technique, and if you get, yeah. you just got to get used to it. Yeah. Well, hey. So it, it, as far as we're on these like new, I don't want to call them inventions, but tips and tricks and things, I kind of wanted to talk about your uh, textile logos. Um, that that is the correct term, right, for your yeah we logos and ice logo. Yeah, that we we've. Uh, where that we started that process about 25 years ago on that. Oh, really? I, I, I would have assumed it was like a new thing. That... Oh, it's, it's, it's a new thing for a lot of people. But years ago, look, you have to imagine that we all came from the pounce pattern, which was the, the big piece of craft paper. paper and and uh, back then, there was no XY axis machines, or there was no plotters. There was no technology for that. The first pounce patterns we made I even hate to say this was like it was a piece of uh, butcher paper on a wall, taped to the wall with a um, overhead projector, and you put the you put the letters on the overhead projector. You push the projector up against the 
moved it back and forth till you got the right height of your letter. And once you got the right height, you're like, okay, stop it. You, you tape the wheels on the overhead projector so it wouldn't move. And then you'd get on a ladder and write out whatever you wanted, IBM, you know, cat, oh. whatever the was. So you, and then you make a pounce pattern. Well, that's why Axis Machines didn't really start popping into the marketplace. Um, I remember the first of Gerber uh, letter cutters. Well, everything else was sign paint. So we started with, um, we tried material, we tried, after the pulse, we were trying to find better ways to do it. The only thing that came in was the vinyl stick-on stuff. We, we didn't like it simply because ice is hydrophobic and it, it, it repels water. And mm -hmm. everybody jumped on the bandwagon. We stayed away from it. You can put plastic mesh into ice. We didn't like it. And I think that the big telltale for the industry was, I can't remember the date of it was, that would be the Dallas All-Star game. And mm -hmm. uh, I was coming out of San Antonio or Houston. I think it was down to Rosebud. Um, I was coming out of Houston. And they phoned and I said, I'll run up there. Dave Westby had just passed away. He was, uh, he had moved over to the, I guess, the new building at that time. Even years ago. So anyways, they had bought mesh logos, plastic mesh logos. I mean, the guy had sent them out. But what people don't fail to realize, the local sign shop doesn't have a clue. He's just looking at the print. He doesn't know whether he's printing it on three mil, four mil, six mil, eight mil uh, violin. I looked at them. I said, listen, these are horrible. Um, I said, I, I wouldn't put them in the ice, but it's it's an all-star game. They had no other option at the time. And I said, okay, well, if you're going to do this, make sure you got lots of CO2 and a bunch of slush buckets. Because uh, you, you didn't think it would freeze. I didn't. I, I said I didn't think it was going to work for them. I, uh, well, anyways, neither here nor there. I got Doug Peters went to the game. I bailed on it. I had to get out of town. I was off to something else. But they put them in, and it was they, they had referees out with slush buckets every whistle. They're, they're patching them up. It's, the ice doesn't stick to it. And you could take an infrared gun put the plastic on the ice and put the infrared gun on the, on the a logo and you'd see it's 27 degrees. You take it off the plastic, it'd be 22 degrees. But mm -hmm. with the characteristic is you're, you're obstructing the heat transfer. Right. And it was, it became apparent that that was not the way to go on. We didn't, it also opened you up to horrible liability. I think you'll find one at, um, I guess it was the East Link Arena. It's on a YouTube video where the referees a piece of the logos pulled up in the ice and the referee grips a hold of the logo and pulls like, like six feet of the logo out and then keep yeah. yanking on it. Now, now they got a half inch lip in their ice because it, 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 you can pull them out. Now yeah. it became a, the issue of, do we accept liability on this sort of stuff? So we just said, no, we're not going to do it. We didn't do it. People jumped on the vinyl bandwagon because the local sign shop would spit the damn things out for, you know, uh, 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So it became an issue. We stayed away. When we waited, I started, I bought a, a little printer and a little a die subunit and, uh, out of Korea. We, and they, we tried different materials and couldn't get the die to look as good and make it pop as a print. So see, I, yeah, it was, yeah, that's got to be almost 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And it just, it just, it didn't look good. I, I ended up using the equipment to, um, stencil, uh, boat covers, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but then, but, then, 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 then it was, then it became the fabric became bigger. Uh, you could like, well, all your fabric was only four foot. So you, you couldn't do a logo. The fabric now comes in 
10 foot wide roll. So you can actually tile uh, three or four pieces together and do a whole centerized logo. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a process and it's not a, it's not a cheap process. It's a time consuming process. And we do, um, we don't do, um, we don't do the printing in the, in the, in a, we do the printing in a different way than most people do. And so that it's reusable and that's the real truth of the matter. People buy them simply because you can take them out of the ice, uh, lay them out, clean them off, wash them up, put them in a, get a stain on them, put some soap on it, and put it in the washing machine, wash it. It's, and it's reusable. Like it's, that's mm -hmm. the best part about these things. Now, yeah. some clubs don't even worry about reusable, just tear them up, put a new one in next year. Where you go? Right. Yeah. Do you, plastic mesh, plastic mesh we do, and we've got a, we've got a big five meter, 16 foot, six inch. EFI printer here that we do plastic. We won't do it for uh, hockey, but we do do it for curling circles. So we'll put yeah. curling circles and that's, we're okay with that. You're, you're not driving a 9,000 pound Zamboni over top of it and you're not cutting it down, cutting it down, mm -hmm. building it back up, building it back up. It's, it's curling. It's, it's yeah. a 44 pound rock you're sliding over top of it. It's not yeah. a big deal. But yeah. uh, we stayed away from it with the textile. The textile has been uh, horribly successful for us. And the reason it's partly successful for us is it's simply because that's all we do is we just focus on hockey. We're not out printing shirts and jerseys and other things. We just do hockey. Yeah. But just, the, the, yeah. The, one of the concerns is the fact that this industry is the last minute club and I don't want to take away anything from this industry. Yeah. My God, don't phone me on a Tuesday and say you need them for tomorrow. <laughs> people, uh, they think we sit around here and wait for the phone to ring. Like yeah. we go, we go full tilt probably June, July, August, September, and there's a roll off about October 10th or 15th because everybody's ice is in by then. But yeah, it's surprising how many people leave everything to the last minute. And it's not just the logos, it's the paint, it's the, all the tools. I got to get this. I need this part. It's broken. And you know, by the time uh, September 5th rolls around, which is right about now. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going, oh, when are we putting the ice in? Oh, we're doing that on Wednesday. Well, like, does everybody, we got everything here? It's yeah. uh, it's one of the curses of the industry that has driven yeah. me crazy for the last 35 years. Like we're the last minute club. Yeah. And, uh, now it's now it's becoming more relevant simply because the old guys are leaving and they, they're, they're taking with them all this knowledge. It's, it's oh, we got to have this ready, got this, and the, you know, they got this. Some guys going, what, what? I just said, well, I had a call this morning. Somebody filled up their Honda pump with a load of diesel and how do I fix it? Mm -hmm. It's, it's the little things like that, that, you know, push you. Yeah. Well, push you. but I, I, I think that's part of the reason that, you know, I asked you to come on the show is because you do have all of this information. I, I thought I knew a lot before this, but I feel like I've learned a lot since talking to you, but I don't know. I think that there, there is something to that, but sometimes it's just about kind of sitting down with somebody and, and asking him some questions and, and get it all figured out. Um, I did want to uh, touch base on one thing uh, before we get going, but um, as far as painting outside, um, I know that you've been involved, uh, I guess, in, in a couple uh, of the outdoor games. And can you kind of talk about uh, your preparation for that? Because I know that they kind of called you specifically at one point and um, said, hey, like, uh, we need this to work. Um, and it was, I guess, a little bit difficult, but do you know what I'm talking about? And if so, do you want to, um, uh, talk about that for a little bit? 
outdoor outdoor games are outdoor games. You know, they are what they are. I think the first one was done in North Carolina back in the nineties. And there was another one done in Las Vegas. Las Vegas one was a disaster. They turned all <laughs> they turned all the lights on and then all the bugs came. Um <gasps> That's funny. <laughs> they, they did Edmonton. They did Buffalo. I think the single Bob is a Buffalo, and it it it's a portable floor, right? It's a portable floor. I think it, I think that one was done by Ice Rink Events. They're good guys. They know their stuff. But it's it's different when you're putting ice in outside, and and you, and mm -hmm. also your base that you're using, the structure has to be sound, and um, the quality of ice has to be there. And it's really hard to get quality ice when you're uh, dealing with an environment that's not controllable. Yeah. It's horrible. It's, it's yeah. Held, you're held hostage by, you know, some of the factors that uh, can play havoc with you. I remember coming back from Buffalo one time and I was driving by the um, Hamilton and I know they had an AHL outdoor game there. And I remember having my wipers on full blast going back and forth and going, those poor bastards. I'm glad they never asked me. <laughs> but it, the outdoor games, the outdoor games are the outdoor games. And it really boils down to make sure you've got a high white to reflect load. And if you're doing anything with um, colors on the ice, make sure they are muted to some degree or other. Like we do, I think we do make a special blue and red for those that are slightly off so they don't absorb as much infrared load. Because it's the infrared load that you get black or dark mm -hmm. or navy blue on a sheet of ice. It, it, even if you don't have the sun out, it, it helps with the, the cloud cover and all the rest of it. But you get a sunny day and you'll all of a sudden start losing ice because it's, 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 it's a sublimation of the sheet. You've skated down the sheet and all of a sudden hit the blue line and there's a little dip. Well, where the hell did the dip come from? Mm -hmm. The dip came from the sublimation and you've heated up that blue. And the, the water goes directly from an ice to a vapor. It goes right. to a liquid stage. So right. uh, it's really, it's just a peculiar phenomenon, but it's, it's painting outdoors. You've done a bit of it. And I, 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 when someone says outdoor game, I go, no, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's kind of like the, uh, and I can't remember who Colorado was playing, but it's the one that they kind of had to postpone, uh, almost halfway through. And I think that that was, uh, more of a. I think that was the direct sunlight issue, but uh, yeah, they so that was the one. That was the one in Tahoe. That was the one in Tahoe, and all of the yeah. ice makers were adamant: "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it!" But they're looking for television revenue, and that's the guys that are doing this stuff. Out of here. Mike, Derek, and Peggy, uh, uh, they're good guys. They know their stuff, but sometimes they're put up against the wall and say, "This is what we want," and you, you have to follow everybody. You have to follow the money. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it's just one of those things to where, like, it, it just wasn't going to work. It just it didn't matter how cold you get that ice. It, did, it just, and I can remember starting to watch uh, the beginning of the first period of that game, and I just, I, I was sitting next to somebody, and I told them, I don't think that this, I don't think this gets finished right now. You could see the, the, cut, the cuts they were making. You could see the, the ice that was being sprayed. You could see how slow the puck was moving. Um, and I, I was just crossing my fingers that one of the, I mean, that no one got hurt, but if it was a star yeah. player that goes down or something really, well, it's, uh, also, I guess I, it's also the other way too. If you get some events like in, where was it? I, oh, it was the, the stadium in Calgary. 
the stadium Calgary, it's minus the 26. You, you don't need a refrigeration plant. Yeah. Well, your interface is so brittle. Like you're actually trying to figure out how can I get heated in this, this surface? Because it's blowing mm -hmm. out in chunks. It, yeah. And it, you take the resurfacer out and you put a flood on and it's, it's freezing within about a foot of the, of the spreader pipe, a full flood. But you're just, yeah. you're pissing in the wind and it's going to cut. It's brittle ice. It, it, yeah. it was horrible. And then, you know, it's the old aspect that they, they did sell a lot of tickets, but by the time the second period hit, half the people were gone. It, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's an environment that nobody, no ice maker really wants to face un, unless they had control of the, of the, of the building. And you don't have control of the building because there is none. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's almost like imagining just like your, your plant or your, just doing whatever it wants to at any point and just being like, Hey, you make guys like, I don't know, like this has to, this has yep. to work with me here. If this yep. doesn't work with me, there's just nothing. This is, this is out of my control. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't. You're not, a, you don't, yeah, you don't. You, you don't I don't go into the, I don't go to that stuff anymore. I, I shy away from it. They got, they get young guys doing it now and, and they're really horribly competent at it, but it's a yeah. lot of work. They don't, people don't realize how much work it is to set those damn things up. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's killer. And every, so I want to volunteer. I want to volunteer. I said, no, you, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good to take a picture like you were here, but you're going to look exhausted and uh, not be able to remember most of it. But, but you know what? I think it's, you know what? It's, it's just one of the things you put down as a, as a good experience to get. But uh, yeah. they don't do enough of them to, make, to justify, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, Dave, I think we're coming uh, to the end of the episode here. We only have like one more uh, little segment, and if we can get through this segment, then then we should be good. Um, so this, the you know, the the show is really open format. We've been able to talk about you know whatever we want to talk about, all different subjects. Uh, but this is where rules set in. There's rules to this next part. This is where it gets really tricky. Um, you have to say something positive. Um, it's called the shout out. Uh, you can shout out, you know, friends and family. Um, it could be a, a mantra. It could be um, really anything positive. But this is where the rules come into play. And um, if you're okay with the rules and understand them, then we can proceed and, and move forward. Do you understand the rules uh, well, of the shout out? Yeah. You just have to say something positive. Well... I, the, the best part is there's an ongoing education process and it's different wherever you are in the country or who's doing it or who's putting it on. But I found more and more, there's, there's a, this group of people that are coming up now and they are sometimes challenged by the amount of work that goes into it, but you can get education can get help. And it's mm -hmm. through the ORFA, through BC Parks and Rec, through Atlantic Canada. Our, our friends, all of these provinces and states, or what the states is, I guess it's Rink Magazine, Rink, or USA's Rink. Yeah. They, they have programs, they have programs right across the country. So you can go and pick up, and they're not so much, a, they've got a, a series of programs, and I've always found that these programs that you go to, it might not be everything you expect it to be, but just getting together with, you know, 40 or 50 different people, that have got different ideas or doing things a certain way or talk to the ice resurfacer guys. Oh, what about this? I've got a problem here. You have a ice. What, what do you mean a figure eight? I think this information that's available out there by attending these events is incredible. And it's, it's a, 
it's a positive support. I tell people, I, hey, I'm still learning stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I grew up, I, I grew up, I was Doug Moore and the rape rat. I grew up in a rapist, but you go into, you go into talk to people and you start talking about dehumidification uh, there. Um, things that you really don't delve into until you start looking at it on a, on a, on a serious note. Okay, how am I going to fix this? Like, you say, what, what do you mean? You read a lot of the stuff about dehumidification, paint, a building envelope, important you have you controlling it, uh, water, water, folio. All of these things come into play to get that great sheet of ice. And so it's important to um, get out and talk to the people, not, not just me, but the people that know the refrigeration people. Things are changing in that area. So there's, there's new stuff coming down the pipe. Everybody's got this thing about ammonia, about Freon, about so there's the things that are coming into play with CO2 and uh, new types of screw uh, compressors. Everybody's starting to switch out, and what what works for you might not work for him, and um, all of these things come into play. So the, the the better educated you are on what's in the field, can only help. Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a wonderful shout out. Um, I have to do the shout out as well, so I'm not uh, I'm not immune to the shout out. I I have to do this as well. Um, and my shout out is going to be for uh, information that is passed down. Um, the tr- funny part is, you know, I I know that I first saw you up in Lake Placid at the NISMA conference. I was taking my uh, IFPT class, um, so that's what I was up there for. Uh, so yep. I can definitely agree. I can definitely agree that taking those courses is really beneficial and that you can learn a lot. Uh, but the other thing too is that it can kind of get you uh, connected to people uh, that know more than you. Because uh, uh, Don actually uh, kind of did like a, a, a Q and A about his uh, his time at the Olympics and uh, some of the troubles that uh, that he had had to face there. Um, but then you also spoke uh, for quite a bit in my class, um, and it's one of those things to where. It wasn't just me, but I could see so many people around me that just were so hungry for that information. Um, and I know it's kind of a chance for you guys, you know, when I talk about guys like you and Don and some of these other, you know, very well-respected uh, ice makers, it, it's, I know it's a, a time for you guys to kind of get together and hang out because you, you don't get to do it all the time. But for people like me that really look up to people like you, um, it's just one of those things to where I'm really thankful that people like you are still passionate about this industry and are willing to talk to people like me that although I've been in it for a while, I just, I, I don't know nearly as much uh, as people like you. So my shout out is going to be for information passed down. Um, yeah. So that's my shout out day. Always glad to help. Well, thank you. And uh, I know, I know you call it, uh, you don't call it bothering, uh, but now that I have your number, uh, I haven't needed to reach out for anything, um, I hope that you would allow me to do that. No problems at all. Give me a okay. Well, hey, I got I to tell the people real quick how to get a hold of us, and then I'll let you go. But okay. I really appreciate you coming on, Dave, because this has been really fun, very educational, and I hope okay. listening, uh learned something too. But they can get a hold of us at faceoffspotpodcast.com. I always say it a second time. It's faceoffspotpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcast you can find us on facebook instagram uh if you share any of the episodes you're entered to win something from howie's hockey we give those out at the end of the month 
Uh, and then you can also use the coupon code base off and then the number 10 for 10% off of your Dallas Hockey's orders. They love rock. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to do this because uh, when I first reached out to you, I was like, man, it would be so awesome. And I would be so honored if he would come on. But if he's not able to, then that's cool too. But I just, I really appreciate you being open to uh, having this conversation. And I think that anybody listening has probably learned something. So I appreciate you.